What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode eight of the Dylan Sawyer Show. Today we have on my man Grant. Grant, how you doing, bro? What is up, Dylan? What's up, people? <laughs> Pleasure to be here. Thank you, man. I've been looking forward to this episode because you are the reason why I started this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It's about time. It's about time. You're giving people the value. giving people what they want. Yep, got to. That's what the people need. But I wanted to have you on today to talk about your journey and what got you into content creation and all that. So if you give a little background on your story, that'd be great. A little background? Okay. Um, I... How far back? How how intense? How I want to hear. I want to hear everything. I want to hear about music. I want to hear about everything. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I'm. I'm. Yeah. My, I'm a little weird. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go like my resume. Like mm-hmm. my. If I was applying for a job approach, uh, I started like I uh, out of high school. I was working at a startup, working in finance. I got a job at a bank, and then uh, I was I actually got like a. I was working with like MBA grads, and I was 18 years old, and I was like working as an investment banker. Um, wow, so I did that wild. at eight, I was doing that at 18 years old and I, I liked it for like a second. Like it was cool being like, yeah, I wire, you know, I was like on a daily basis. I was like wiring like 50 million bucks, 75 million bucks. I was like, <laughs> that's why I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm the tish. And then, uh, <laughs> after a while it just becomes like decimal points. It's yeah. like, you just realize it's like more just like zeros. It's kind of similar. Like when you're an Amazon seller and you're like, well, that's a thousand dollars. And then you're like, that's, it's like $10,000. And then you're like, yeah. like that's a hundred thousand dollars. I got tired of it. I wanted to make music. So I started making music. I got married at 20. I started making music uh, at like 20, 21. Um, was producing stuff, made stuff, released a lot of songs, got, you know, got my million streams, got my thing on and then uh, had kid. I had a kid and it was like, I have to get a real job. I have to be a real, <laughs> a real person. Yeah. Couldn't do the artist life anymore. And I was making content for it, and I was like coaching people on on content. I was doing I, like I I understood the marketing side of things. I understood like how to market yourself. That's pretty much the only advantage I had. My music wasn't better than everybody else's. It was just like I just figured out how to market myself better than other people. So, um, <laughs> yeah. I was good at collaborating. I was good at, at like bringing people together and figuring out what worked for some people and just encouraging encouraging the community. And then um, had a kid. COVID happens, so I, I went back to getting a real job. So I transitioned to IT. Worked in IT for a few years. Um, was like a project manager. Um, cause it was like, I looked up like, what's the most amount of money you can get working from home. And all, all of it was like it jobs that didn't require a degree. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I did it. I, I, I got, you know, I got a few promotions, got, did my thing. And then I got bit by the entrepreneurial bug. I got bit by it. <laughs> I watched, uh, I watched an Alex Ramosi podcast and I was like, frick this guy, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to do this stuff. And I, I, you know, was then researching, you know, what side hustles, what businesses start, what side hustles can I do? A friend of mine, Kaja Robinson, um, and Josh Dumpman, they're, they're, they're new in the, the Amazon Twitter space. Uh, they were like, dude, we're, we've been doing Amazon FBA for four years. Uh, we wow. can hook you up. I didn't know that they were selling that long. And I didn't know that you knew them before you got into Amazon. That's pretty cool. I grew up with them. I grew up. Oh, them. wow. I didn't know that at yeah. all. That's awesome. Yeah. So, Damn. so yeah, uh, we, we grew up together. So we're all, we're all, we're all homies. So like they sent me the buy box, the buy, buy box bandits podcast. And I was yeah. like, I started listening to that and I was like, I'm hooked. Let's go for it. So I bought the roadmap. <laughs> right. And I, I started yeah. the Amazon, the Amazon journey. Um, they gave me all their coaching. I got one-on-one coaching from Kaja before, before he started selling it. Uh, I was his first, <laughs> his first student, uh, but he hooked me up and I, I, uh, I, I, I think I did like, you know, like I did what in the last 12 months I've done like 325, 330, something like that, which That's is nothing good for which, the amount which of effort nothing. that you put into it. Yeah. Which I is mean, none. I put zero. Yeah. <laughs> I have like an like automated Amazon store. That's probably, it's not even profitable. I think I, I think I got enough out of it. Like I, I was really focused on it up until probably like February of this year, but I went to the Miami sellers conference. And I've been doing like one-off consulting stuff for a bit. Like I, I had been like, people would hit me up. I'd say, dude, you have to start doing this. And then I start consulting people and then it's, it start working. And then I started doing more content. I started researching more content. Like Alex Ramosi was like the drug. I was like, I'm going to get into business stuff. And that led me to, through a bunch of like info product things. Mm-hmm. I bought a bunch of masterminds. I did a bunch of research. I, I was like studying and I didn't realize I was studying content 
I thought I was studying business, but then I realized I was studying business content. And so yeah. just through like thousands of hours of watched content and just study and analyzation and then getting to know the people that made it, getting to know the content managers, the, the marketing side, like I was like, oh my goodness, I love this. I love producing this. I love mm -hmm. helping people make products that help other people. So um, I went to the sellers conference and I saw that pretty much everyone there was really smart but really not confident and they all sucked at content. And I was like, yeah. this is really cool. <laughs> this is really cool <laughs> that I'm like, I'm realizing that there's like an opportunity here and I'm good at this and I'm not very good at this other thing. <laughs> I'm not very good at Amazon. I'm not really like, I'm good at business, but what I'm better at is like combining and like uniting the two sides, like business and creative. Cause a big, a big thing I always say is like, business people are really awesome at business, but they really suck at doing things creatively. creatively yeah. And creatives really suck at business. Like they yeah. really just have no idea how to make money. So I was like, I would love to kind of bridge that gap because I'm connected like through the music stuff, all the other stuff, like everybody that I knew from then, they stayed in the creative and they became graphic designers. They became editors. They became all this, all this other stuff and uh, videographers. And then on, you know, like on the Amazon side of things, like I was like, you know what? I could help bridge that gap and help this person work with this person. And, um, I started my business in February this past year, the content management stuff, the content yep. creation, the content, the creative direction stuff. Um, got lucky with my first client. My first client was Corey Ganim. Wow. Uh, That's awesome. I didn't know that either. <laughs> pretty, pretty like, and I like Corey Ganim, I, I, he, I charged him nothing to, and I was just posting his content and I was just like <laughs> giving him content ideas and stuff. And I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I had enough an idea. Corey, I had an idea what I was doing, but my second <laughs> client who came in a, a little bit after that, her name was Dylan Jarris, um, and she was an Etsy seller. Um, and that was the first one where I was like, this is high ticket. I'm going to charge yeah. what felt like a ridiculous number, which was 7k to, to, to make content for her on a monthly basis. And, um, it was awesome. And we got to test a bunch of stuff and we learned a lot. We failed a ton, but what we succeeded in was converting in sales. So we like, I think we, we doubled her community size in a matter of months. Wow. Um, which is just crazy. I think she's like over 1600 community members now. And um, is, is it on discord or where's the community? Uh, her community she has on Kajabi. Oh, okay. The Etsy space, it's mostly women. So it's a completely different demographic, Interesting. Um, but similar, similar back, like similar, you know, info product thing where it's like side hustle slash trying to make it no business, trying to make it a six figure business. You know, like you have all these different tiers and, um, it's not like young guys. It's, it's, you know, a lot of moms, it's a lot of single women. It's a lot of arts and craft people. So makes sense. Um, yeah. yeah, making YouTube videos for that. And then, and then that kind of tangentially got me to a bunch of other clients and just leveraging that experience and understanding like, Oh, like what worked here could for sure work over here. And just over that time, I just learned a ton, kept on consuming content. And, uh, yeah, that's what led to where I'm at now, which is just like helping people. I, 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 I want to say like, I love impacting the impactful. Yeah. So if you have that's something that is really, is really, really cool, like you're selling something that's really awesome and you're an awesome person with high values, it makes my life really easy because I can just like, I just know how to position you where people are going to like you and you're going to make more money. And it's just like that, that becomes really fun. And I get to do what I love, yeah. which is helping good people do good things and beating bad people who do bad things. That's like, yeah. <laughs> that's my favorite thing. So I, I, I just got off call with somebody like five minutes ago and I was like, yeah, I it just fresh perspective of like, man, I love that I get to do this. I love that I get to work with, I, I was working with, working with this woman named Pam and she does leadership coaching, but she has, has an incredible story and her product is really great. And her, what she, what she does for people is just incredible. And I was like, man, I get to, I get to help you. That's awesome. <laughs> The fact that like my job is just to like get tactical and figure out how to message you better. That, that is the coolest thing on the planet. So, um, yeah. yeah, I, I not to mention the margins for non arbitrage work is a lot better. So Definitely. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. Yeah. So that's what, that's so, what I've gotten into. I've, yeah, I've, I've built like it's, we're over six figures for the agency. Um, but again, like, you know, the six figure Amazon seller doesn't really mean that much. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, it's pretty common. And, but 
you know, for other, agency, like, I think it's a little bit different agency, though. For... It's a little bit different. A little bit margins, a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. Or a lot better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but so in, out of all of your clients, what percentage of them are in the e-commerce space? Is it a majority of them? E- like as in, uh, they're like selling Etsy, like an e-commerce Amazon. products. Yeah. Like they're, I would they're... say, I would say, well, like I've kind of gotten a monopoly on the, on the Amazon side of things now. Definitely. Yeah. I've kind of, I'm kind of gobbling up. I'm gobbling up the Amazon. <laughs> Every time you see someone launch a podcast in the Amazon space, it's probably because I told them to do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's like, I'm like, I'm like, I, that's, uh, I've forced, I had to force Corey into it and like quickly became like a profitable, like you started this podcast and it's already, well, this is already sponsored, right? This, this, this is going to spot- be the first episode that's sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're like six it's episodes wild. in and we're, we're already sponsored. We're already profitable. That's crazy. So. <laughs> It's awesome, yeah, I, I, I uh, yeah, that, I, I work with a lot of Amazon guys, um, and then I actually like working with leadership people, and I like working with people that are, um, like, the older demographics uh, is really really fun for me because I can again, it's helping to bridge a gap. It's not just bridging a gap between creative and business; it's also bridging age gaps. So it's like you primarily focus on targeting people in their forties. Let's figure out how we can use this platform. Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, podcasts, right? How can we use that platform to, to reach an entirely new demographic? Um, I didn't say TikTok because I suck at TikTok, but everything else I'm learning, I'm better at. For sure. So what kind of motivated you to start your personal brand? Was it the music or was it something before then? Um, I did music and I didn't post for like years. Uh, I think on... Um, I think, uh, do I, if I really think, like, on a macro level, Ryan Pineda and Alex Ramosi. Yeah. Um, so seeing, like, business people and being like, Gary Vee did this. All he did was document. And I'm inspired by it. So if I do it, maybe I can help one other person. Um, and then I think, like, I listened to Miles talk about it on the podcast, on, on the Buy Box Bandits podcast. And I was like, dude, he, he was just saying, like, just talk be in the Amazon community, just talk about stuff. And I, I think I started doing that in like November of last year. And I just met a bunch of people and I was like, Oh, okay. So if I just post every day, I'm just going to meet people. Yeah. <laughs> and if I just like simply exist, I can learn stuff. And that was really cool. Um, and I think I didn't take my own content very seriously until like three months ago when I was realizing it's so dumb of me to be, producing so much content for other people and not leveraging my own team. Yeah. All the editors, exactly. all the templates, all the stuff we've done, like not leverage it for myself. So and we've just officially started doing it. That call yesterday and you were showing me the videos from like a year ago or even like six months ago and versus now it's night and day difference with the I editing, the, literally everything. I know. Yeah. It's just like, I was just so crazy. Like you, you should be your, like if for anybody in a creative business, you should be your, your most important client your content should yeah. be the highest priority and not to make your other clients feel that, but to be like, you're a reflection of what you sell. So if you're coaching, like you should be like, you should follow your rules. <laughs> if yeah. you're, if you're creating content, your content should look better than everybody else's content because other, otherwise people are not going to trust you. For sure. So it hasn't, nothing's performed crazy. Uh, I'm figuring it out. Like it, uh, marketers suck at marketing themselves. So like, I would love to have a me for me. <laughs> If you're yeah. out there and you're you wanting to be a creative person, hit me up. But I would love to have a me for me. It's just like, uh, yeah, we're just testing stuff. My team's, I, I, I ask my team, like, what do you think I should do? They say, do this, and I do it. So let's talk about your team some. So, how long did it take you to put together all the positions that you have right now? And how many people do you have on your team? Um, we're expanding. It's a bunch of contractors, so it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, I started, it was like me and I, as soon as I realized I wanted to do this, I called two guys that were friends of mine and I was like, guys, we, we should do this. Um, and one was an audio guy, one was a video guy. And we realized pretty quickly we didn't really need audio. Um, we can do like for, for visual concept for the stuff we're doing. Audio is not really important. Yeah. For uh, Dylan is when like I really teamed up with my friend Logan and we produced it. Like he was her editor uh, initially uh, and we just kept the production of that quality. And then that's allowed us to scale where we, you know, hired another editor. 
long form. We hired two editors, short form. We hired a thumbnail artist. We hired, uh, and then I, I actually kind of did all the rest. I did all like the content management side of stuff. Um, and then all like consulting. And then, so where that is in comparison to where we're at now is like, pretty much we have access to like a, a, such a large pool of people. I have probably, I, I expanded things on the podcast side. So I have like a long form podcast editor. I have a content manager that does content management for me and content management for other clients. Um, so that functions as like copywriting and other stuff. And then I have, uh, yeah. And I have this, I have short form editors and, and long form editor. So nothing crazy, just a lot of, a lot of individuals. Oh yeah, actually two long form podcast editors now. Yeah. So we're quickly. It seems expanding. like it's grown a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's been <laughs> fun. And they're really cool people. Mostly for US sure. based. Uh, one in Slovenia, one in the Philippines, one that moved from the Philippines to LA. So uh, wow. it's a cool team. That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't know it was mostly US either. I feel like most people, when they have like a online virtual team, it's usually going to be in the Philippines or one of those other countries. When you're starting out, uh, hiring like in, in budgets tight, like that's the best way to start. Like, you know, like we're looking at editors now for you. Uh, and, you yeah. know, like it's good to find someone that can do a reel for 15 bucks. That's really mm -hmm. awesome. So, but like when you realize I would like to have someone on retainer, I would like for them to understand the context. I would like for them to understand like uh, trends. I would like for them to like be able to really, I just want the best of the best. You can either pay expensively and hire somebody from the Philippines and just get the best from the best. Or you can get someone that's, you know, cheaper and you're probably going to get, you're going to see the impact of it. For sure. To touch back about what you were saying earlier about documenting your journey and posting online and having people meet you, do you think that every person, no matter pretty much what business they're in, should be documenting their journey, making a podcast, shut, doing all I'm these gonna things? I'm going to shut you up right there. What do you, <laughs> you answer that question. What do you think? I think so. From working with you, you definitely said every business <laughs> should have a podcast. I wanted to ask you more about that. Even yeah. like like banks and what, what about something like that? Uh, I uh, Someone I met the other, other day, uh, they they run a podcast for Berkshire Hathaway. Wow. <laughs> so That's it's like, wild. yeah. So it's like every, <laughs> I, like I think podcasting is the easiest content for businesses. It's the easiest. Yeah. Like that's why I suggest it because, um, it's, you can record for an hour and we can chop this up and give tons of value to a ton of people. Um, the way it's produced all the other stuff that goes into it, right? Like if we had a side camera, it'd be, if I, if I was recording this with my, you know, if I had this on the side, I probably should have, to be honest, and just like recorded clips and told you to give me the raw and then had my team distribute. Like that's just the easiest way to produce content because it's me sitting down for one hour and have a conversation about this. And then my team can produce the, it's just, yeah, that's, that's why I suggest it. And then on top of it for podcasts in particular, um, you can reach out to your ideal client profile. So in your case, right, it's beneficial to have younger or smaller Amazon sellers that, that probably can work with, you know, FBAIO. Right. Like that's, it, yep. it'd be really great to have those be people that you have as potential clients. Cause then after this call, you can say, Hey, by the way, do you want to join my community? Um, and it's also really great to just use as a, a point of leverage to, to access higher level people. Um, I've been able to have conversations with people that I would have to pay for. Definitely. Right. Yeah. So that's a, that's a big driver in motivating me to start my own. And then I'm just, it's just a big driver for businesses. I think people like listening to human beings. No one wants to like, Dylan, you, do you follow Apple? The brand probably, Apple? Probably not, not on Instagram and Twitter, no. but no, but if they do had... you know who Steve Jobs is? Yes. Uh, do you follow VaynerMedia? I actually probably do because I'm really keep up with that. Yeah. With, with Gary trying... Vee and all that and well, no, friends like... and all that. Well, so like most people, they follow Gary Vee. Mm -hmm. They have no idea the businesses he runs. They might yeah. follow, maybe they follow, maybe they're crazy like you there. They follow <laughs> their media. But like most people don't, right? And then on the yeah. other side of it, like, you know, Lewis House, I don't know what business he runs, right? Like mm -hmm. uh, Stephen Barnett, right? Like he has the diary of a CEO. I have no idea what his businesses are. They're seven figures, yeah. eight figures, right? But I have no idea what they are. So it's to that extent, like, people just trust brands and individuals so much more than they trust. Sorry. They trust people so much more than they trust brands. So yeah. to that extent, like, I think that's why it's important. And 
um, even at a micro level, even if you're just starting out in Amazon, even if you're just starting out in your business, even if you just want to start out, right? Simply by existing and documenting, you're going to grow. Yeah, for sure. Simply one, and you're going to benefit from the conversations you have. One thing I've been loving to see recently on Twitter in the Amazon community, especially is people just recording a video of themselves, zero followers, tagging like 10 people. Everyone interacts with it. It blows up every time. They always get 50 plus followers. It's an amazing way to just jump right into it. And a yeah, few years ago, you would never see that. Now I'm seeing it. I'm getting tagged once every couple of days in a post like that. Oh, you're just trying to flex. You're just trying to flex there. You're just trying to say that. <laughs> Top 10 Amazon. No, if you want to get started, they're like, say like, these are my top 10 Amazon resources to follow. Right? Yeah. And guess what that's doing? That's associating you with higher level people. You'll probably get one of those top level people to follow you because they probably want to sell something to you. And <laughs> to be honest, like it's, it's just such like, there's a way to exist. And I, I also like, I'm against like the flexing of the status stuff. Like people flex orange bars and orange bars means nothing. Yeah. Right? Like, like a seven figure seller that doesn't mean much to me, to be honest. Like what's your net profit? Exactly. <laughs> you know, like it could be 50,000 or 500,000. It could be yeah, ex exactly. That's what I'm saying. So it's like, it's like, if it's 50,000 bucks, like sweet dude, you have a seven figure business. Right. But like, no one's <laughs> going to buy that. Yeah. But like, so that, to that, to that same extent, like I just wish, uh, like it's good to be transparent about the negative things as well as you are, as much as you are about the positive things. Like definitely people that are saying like, I just got hit with a section three. I just got regated. I just got like, that helps somebody. And all the content's supposed to be is helping one person. That's it, right? Like if you can help one person get from point A to point B because of something that you made, that's a reason to post. That's a reason to exist. And if you do it really, really well, you're going to get people that hate on you every single post you make. You're going to get people that just think you're full of BS or people that are just going to like, that's yeah. what virality is is getting hated but like still if you can help one person in my opinion that's like worth the exchange that's worth the impact for sure definitely and i mean i would even say that about your content your content has definitely motivated me start the podcast uh post more literally you were recording an instagram story one time while we were on a call and you were like I'm on a call with a client right now. Everyone needs to be posting <laughs> stories once a day. And I was like, all if right, I need to lock in. If that's, all I, if that's all I am, right? Like I'm down, I'm down, man. Cause yeah. I think like the, the point is like, there's two reasons to, there's two reasons to, to post content. One is ego. Don't do it for that. No. Nah. Two is marketing. Yeah. Marketing for yourself. Oh, did you see? Whoa. <laughs> the, the what is that? Bro. How, how did it do that? This is Riverside. What is, what is it do? Wait, wait, oh my gosh. All right. Oh and man. two is marketing. Two is the, like, that's, that's the, that, in my opinion, that's the main reason you do it. And it's like, why are you marketing yourself? Mm -hmm. You don't have to be selling something, but you want to have access to higher level rooms. You want to have access to higher level people. And if you eventually want to sell something, you want to have access to leverage and having an audience gives you leverage. So that's why, in my opinion, it's like, if all I am is the guy that just reminds you to be posting content, that's I'm down because there, it is an asset. Like no one, no one looks at you like websites anymore. No one really like your social media is your resume. Yeah. And if you have evidence over years that you are who you say you are and you've done what you say you did. Like no one can fight it because three years from now, when I'm saying the exact same thing and I'm saying post content, I'm saying work every day, try to get better, try to grow. Right. Like you're going to be like, Grant, what's, where's your proof? And I'm going to say, look at three years ago when I was posting this exact same thing right now, I can say that look at three months ago, right. When yeah. I was posting it, but like, I will be able to say, look at three years ago when I said, sorry, podcast, right. Like I, it, it's going to be really difficult to fight evidence that you are who you say you are if you just document the journey. And yeah, 100%. you don't have to be impressive. There's people that have 100,000 followers that are so much more impressive than me. There's people that have zero followers that are more impressive than me, but no one knows about them. So that's wow. my motivation. Yeah. So something a little bit off topic I wanted to ask you about is how has AI affected your business? It's something that's grown, blown up in the past year or so. And a lot of like the, the podcast tools to 
edited or whatever are through AI, chat GPT. How much are you using AI on a daily basis? Uh, Nicholas Verge would yell at me and say I'm not using it enough. Um, but I, I don't. I don't. Um, on a daily basis, there's tools to use within, and I've been yelling at you for this, like yeah. Adobe Podcasts. Yep. so awesome it's so great <laughs> you know adobe podcast Game is so changer. great autopod it's awesome it's great like i don't think that ai is quite there yet with clipping stuff i don't think it's quite like we've tested it we've tried stuff i've tried a bunch of ai tools it's not quite there There's that's what we noticed fire. as well at least through yeah. like munch like it, it gave us the right idea but it wasn't exactly what we needed yeah it's it's and i'm sure like it's going to ex exponentially improve Yep. But uh, part of the issue with AI is that if everyone can do it, it creates this new thing that no one stands out. Mm -hmm. And so now when you're just raw, you're not corporate, you don't sound like a computer, it's pretty obvious. Like I, I, I was talking to somebody today and they were just, it was obviously an AI I was chatting with. And it was a, an account that just leveraged an AI in their chat. And they reached out to me and they were like, you know, like, Interesting. this is all, and I, but it, it was so obvious that obvious, it was fake. Yeah. yeah. And I like, and I was like, first off, it's way too positive. Like, it's going to be difficult to get AI to say something negative. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think the worst place that I've seen it is LinkedIn. LinkedIn. I wouldn't have thought about that. LinkedIn is like so overly corporatized, and everything just sounds yeah. so vague and superlative. Where uh, like. You're not going to get an AI to say, I disagree. And to be honest, like that's the best content. The highest performing content is when you have an opinion that is different than everybody else yeah. and you're right. So with AI, you're not going to be different from everybody else. It's going to know how to message it in the most, you know, socially acceptable way. And I, I think, uh, I'm sure you can train it. I'm sure there's ways to leverage it. I'm sure there's a lot that I need to learn about it. Um, but uh, AI with captions, like you're just not going to get the same thing. Uh, I, humans make mine, and that's why when you look at it, it looks better. Yeah, no, so that's I'm definitely sure, true. I'm sure. I'm sure there's so much I need to learn, but I don't think it's quite there yet. Where I feel like my job's at risk. In fact, if I just learn how to use it and make like systemize my processes with it better, then I'll probably be more advanced because the thing that needs to stay human will always be human. For sure. When do you think that AI will get to the point where it will be able to do clips? Do you think it's something in the next like year or two or is it five, 10 years down the line? I, I, it could be a year or two. Um, in terms of understanding context, it could be that fast. Because um, it seems like it, it was nothing and then now it's just like kind of everywhere. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it could be it could be that fast. I I would say the thing that isn't going to be there anytime soon is uh, automated people, right? Like there's yeah. there's the AI where people are like, yeah, I just want to create uh, like just my like an AI version of myself. That's not going to be. I've seen there. that like on YouTube, and it did not convert very well. It's not going to convert ever. Um, yeah. Just because. Again, like if you have an option to watch a robot do something versus watching a human do something, <laughs> yeah. voice Nobody's voice is a little bit different. Voice can be entertaining. Vo voice can be used in entertaining ways. Um, but like, I I think in one to two years you might be able to get context for clips a little bit better. I don't think you'll ever get that creative element that makes it feel really genuinely unique and cool and interesting. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. That's just me. Yeah. Part of Let's, the part of the beauty of it is human, right? Like part of the beauty yeah. of it is that it's like, like the fact that it's flawed. Not that's part of like the coolness of it. Robotized, corporate, like yeah. I mean, more personalized. More personalized, the better. Like you'll make more money the more personalized you are. For sure. So I wanted to ask you what you thought about ASD, the trade show. Uh, did you actually go to the show? Because that's where I met you at a seller meetup after the event. <laughs> did you see what I, it was like there? I went there for a day because I was shooting content with uh, with Warner and Corey about mm -hmm. like at the event. I went there for a day and I think a night. I, I like we went out for steak or something like that afterwards. Um, 
but it was it was crazy. It was a whole a wholesale yeah. event. It was a little bit overwhelming. It was super salesy. It was, that, it was that's cool. why I was asking you that because the first time I was there, I was like, "Whoa, this is a lot." When I walked into the convention center and there's just thousands and thousands of booths next to each other, it's a pretty crazy thing to see. What's cool is just seeing like connecting uh, sellers to people and realizing like, that, like I met a lot, I met a lot more sellers there where it's like not for the first time, but just like in general. And I I love seeing. Like I loved humanizing things you see on Twitter. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know? exactly. Uh, yeah. I like that a lot. And and people are humble and people like even cocky people online, they're not cocky in person. Yeah. So I, I love conferences and events for that reason alone. Um I I will say that ASD did not make me want to become a wholesale seller. Yeah. It didn't so I wasn't like, ooh, this looks like a lot of fun to go and negotiate a bunch of stuff. I was like, okay, this seems like, like a lot of work. Really tired. <laughs> this seems like really tiring. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to my video camera if you don't if you don't mind. I'm glad you brought up the part about meeting other sellers because it was kind of crazy. This time in ASD in August is completely different than ASD in March. In March I met maybe ten to fifteen Amazon sellers I know. In August I probably met two hundred. Like it was really exponentially more sellers, like by 10 times, probably at least that I knew. Maybe it's just for me grow my presence a little bit more too. But I, I feel like it, it was way more people there in August and I'm really glad I met you there. I would have never met you face to face if you weren't at that <laughs> meetup after. And there's other yeah. people who I'd worked with for years, like before Amazon selling sneakers, I was shipping packages to them. I met one guy named Tommy after four years of knowing him. So that's, that was cool to see as well. But connecting the, the Twitter profile picture to the face is always a, a wild thing. I'm like, wait, are you? Like, yep. You're going to find, you're going to find Yeah. The next ASD, you're going to have people come up to you. If you go to, if you go to the Miami sellers conference in, uh, in, in February, you'll probably have a bunch that's, of people I will come be there. Be like, yeah. You're probably going to be like, Oh, you're so, you're the Sawyer souls. You're going to be like, yeah. people are going to, people are going to hit you up. I had fun. a couple walk up to me at ASD and that was before I started my podcast, before I started like anything. It was from me, maybe just going on Corey's podcast. And I think the Buy Box Bandits had just came out as well. And I Dude, had people yeah, coming up to me. I was like, what? Anybody, <laughs> I mean, like I just, I just scrolled, I looking through content, I looked through Soros, sent a screenshot of you doing a 50K day in the RBOPS, uh, yeah. the RBOPS Discord. And he was like, you did more in a day than he did. And it, like 17 year old and he has homework and he's doing 50K in a day. And I was like, Dude, yeah, you're, it's, you're such an interesting person. Like no one's, <laughs> no one has done what wow. you've done at your age. Yeah. There's no one, no one, like you sound like, and you also like, you're not a douchebag, like a crypto guy. Like you're not like a, <laughs> a jerk who's like, who's like super douchey. Like you're yeah. like just a, you're just a normal guy, which is the best part about it. Like the fact that you're such a genuine human being, that's the best part. Thank you for that, man. Yeah, it, yeah. it's pretty wild because it, it, it is weird to look around and be like, oh, I don't know anyone who's put up numbers like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not profit, though, right? That's the point. That's the, that's the, that's the proof. That's what, we, that's what I'm going to try to uncover. I'm trying to figure out what's his, what Dylan's profit. Once I, once I find out, community, I'll let you know. I, I wanna, I'll tell you if he's, he's running a 5%. A 5 New requirement for meetings is tax returns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> show me the stubs show me the stubs <laughs> show me the payouts that's awesome oh man yeah what do you think is uh what do you think is do you think that there's a bubble that's going to burst with amazon oh uh, that's a good question i think in certain areas of amazon i could see that happening yes like maybe in a certain niche or category like i would say maybe even pools are like a bubble bursting but the entire community of amazon i don't see that bursting at all unless there's like some sort of like external government like monopoly thing where they don't allow third-party sellers or something like that but even if that happened amazon would stop selling themselves before they stop letting third-party sellers because they only make up about 40 percent of their total revenue and it's much easier for them to just manage a bunch of third-party sellers rather than having to stock up inventory themselves but even then, mm -hmm. I, I really doubt that would ever happen but I could definitely see like certain niches kind of blowing up, but that happens in every business. Like coming from a sneaker background, I would have never thought I'd be selling on Amazon like three, four years ago. Like mm. that wasn't even in my head at all. I, I thought I would go to New Jersey and just keep selling shoes on like StockX and go and sell Jordans to random people. Like it, it's kind of crazy how things have changed. And even in Amazon, I stopped selling sneakers. I'm switching to more wholesale. 
so I've kind of noticed little things coming up, like with arbitrage, for example. I was looking at a sale I made on a shoe. It's a white Air Force One. I sold it for two sixty two years ago. Now the most I'm seeing those sell for is like one thirty one forty. So there's definitely mm. some things that become saturated and kind of burst over time. But as long as you're identifying what's getting a little bit more saturated, then you can kind of move out of that early, which is what I've been doing. Hmm. I feel like, uh, talk to me about, I, I have a contrarian opinion and I'm not just like some spurned lover. I, I've like, seen I you like, talk about this on Twitter before. <laughs> I, I feel like, so I'm, cause I'm not, I'm not anti Amazon. I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not, I'm, I'm closing my business after this, this, this Q4, yeah. but it's more so because I'm, I'm, I want to focus a hundred percent on something rather than, you know, yeah split attention sure. running two different teams like i don't like i got i have my my va team shout out to char and anna and, <laughs> and Sharik <laughs> and the kaj and the whole squad but like i i i got my team but like i to me it's just like from a business model perspective to scale it i struggle with the amount of leverage is required uh and I, agree. I think i wish more people saw it as a solution to make like an extra two three grand a month which is super doable, like very easy to make yeah. two, three thousand dollars in profit on high top margin. of your W two, yeah. high margin on top of your W two, right? Like it is an easy bag. It is not difficult whatsoever. Yo, are you? Oh, but I think I cut out. People are treating uh, it like it's the it's the best. Can. Yeah. Oh, can you repeat what you said? It cut out there. I'm gonna do a clap for the edit. Okay. Yeah. No. Um. Yeah, to, but in my mind, it's just like it's so easy to make two, three thousand dollars a month in profit on Amazon on top of your W two. It's the easiest thing ever. Like yeah. everyone should do that, and more people should talk about it. More people should preach it. That should be a solution. There should be more packages, more courses, more info products to talk like more info products to talk about how easy it is to learn how to sell and make the sell twenty. 20 to 25,000 a month, maybe 15 to 20,000 a month and be making two to $3,000 in profit. That should be super simple. What I feel like people are pitching, which I struggle with is like, I can scale this to be a really high level business and it's not. And the, the people that are doing it, like every day we're seeing more Amazon sellers quit because they got over leveraged, they got shut down. Established wholesale sellers got over leveraged and shut down or had some support issue happen. And there's just too much risk involved. And yes, every business has risk, but it's different when you're leveraging for like real estate. Mm-hmm. Real estate leverage is different. And that's a different kind of asset that you actually end up owning versus like it. it to me, it's the equivalent of like Airbnb arbitrage, where you take someone else's property you invest all this money to fix it up or do whatever it is and you don't own it and they could cut you, they could terminate your lease, they could do whatever they want and you're just hoping that you get enough fast cash and you're doing all the front end stuff. That is too risky. It's too risky of a business model. And to me, Amazon's a similar space. Like I think wholesale is better and I think wholesale, especially if you establish yourself as a Walmart seller as well and you maybe have some Shopify or if you have some brick and mortar in there, like sweet, you you have diversified to de-risk. But the idea of being like, yes, in order to make three to $500,000 a year as a business owner, I have to leverage like $700,000 a month? Yeah. $800,000 a month? Like that's like, that is unreasonable to me. So uh, I just wish like, I, and I wish people stopped talking about it. Like that's easy and doable. Like I see a lot of seven figure sellers and a lot of them are really good. I work with the good ones. Yeah. <laughs> There's other ones that are also good that I don't work with, but like I work with people that I'm like, yep, these are legit people and they're saying legit things. I just, it's not, there's very few people that are effectively using it as a business. I think you're one of them. I think you've effectively established it as a business as an 18 year old. <laughs> and I don't think that's very realistic. I actually, I somewhat agree with you on that. And it is a very high risk business. And one thing I disagree with what you said is I, you said that wholesale is a safer option split across. I think that arbitrage would be a safer option because mainly all of these section three products, all of this stuff is happening 
99% of it is on wholesale stuff. Like people mm-hmm. you see getting suspended for stolen goods, buying from suspicious distributors. It doesn't really happen if you're buying from like Walmart, Target, Nike, the very, very safe and easy to places to buy from. But at the same time, those safe and easy places to buy from get saturated more quickly. So it's kind of like it's comparable. But I feel like the, the majority of the people I see getting deactivated are doing wholesale, which is kind of interesting. Um, hmm. Amazon's a lot more strict on the supply chain when it comes to the wholesale now, which is a little bit weird. But like, for example, I'll, I'll talk about a perfume that I bought at a trade show, huge trade show. It wasn't ASD, Atlanta market. And they have one U.S. distributor. It's like a European brand. And I was buying from the only U.S. distributor, and Amazon still won't accept my invoices. It went off my account now, but I was submitting it, and they're like, we can't verify the supply chain. Get your supplier's invoice. And I was thinking, I'm like, this is like the closest I can get to a brand direct invoice. It's the only U.S. distributor, says it on the Mm -hmm. website, and they still wouldn't accept it. But when it comes to arbitrage, I feel like I can get it through way easier. No matter where I buy from, I've pretty much been able to easily access that. But Mm -hmm. to your point more about the leverage thing, I definitely agree that's the biggest problem with Amazon. And the main reason why I was fine leveraging so much, doing credit cards, loans, stuff like that, is because I came from the sneaker background where there would be a shoe coming out. And the goal is to just buy as many as possible. You're spending as much money as quick as possible. And it's kind of a similar thing with Amazon. Once you see a product that's selling Mm -hmm. well and you know that it's a good buy, you're going to go spend as much money as possible. So it kind of like desensitized me to that leverage risk. But with Amazon, there's much more of a platform risk. Before, when I was buying those Jordans or whatever, I could sell it to a bulk buyer. I could sell it to StockX Go. Like, there's so many different channels that are safer to distribute that product. And it's something that's in demand at like a Yeezy or a Jordan. You could post it on Facebook Marketplace and sell it. You could sell it pretty much anywhere because it's that exclusive and high demand. But with something with Amazon, it could be Dial or Dove Soap or something like that where you can just go to Walmart buy it. People don't want to get buy soap off of you and they can just go get it at a store. So I, I think that's a really good point. And that leads me to solutions that I think one of the best solutions is to do profit first, how Corey has it set up, mm. which is something that I am not doing currently. But starting January 1st, I'm opening up all the accounts. I'm getting profit first set up properly just to be a little bit safer have a higher like inventory balance where I can just keep that money to the side and have months and months of expenses already paid for because it's really true. If you get deactivated at a time like right now, you're very, very screwed. Like it would be horrible if I got deactivated right now. The goal is for me next year, even if I got deactivated, I don't want to be like as leveraged and as worried as I would be now, which is should should be the goal for every seller to. Yeah lower your risk as much as possible year over year and not have it high. And I've kind of been a victim of that. I've been pretty high risk for the last few years where it's mainly during December. Like right now it's where everyone's maxing out their cards. They're buying in early September, October, November, and then holding that inventory to December. And if you get cut off before that time, you can be really, really, really bad. Like that's where you see most of the horror stories coming from, like right before Christmas, but throughout the year, it's not as risky because you're not putting up as much money. You can accurately track your cash flow, and it's a little bit more simple than when it comes to the holidays. But yeah, I, I want to hear your opinions on that. I mean, I think I'm just I think I've learned too much from different businesses and different business owners. I think there's a reason you don't see many older Amazon sellers. Yeah, there's a reason. Um, and it's because older Amazon sellers, well, even the older ones, they're, they're not they're doing, doing that with that a nine to five. same level. Yeah. They're doing a the lot, nine to five or they're not a doing lot the, of them are, or they're not doing the same price point. They're not doing the same amount of yeah. leverage. They're not, they're doing 30 to 50 K a month. Yep. Right. They're not, they're not trying to do six figures a month. So I, that's where I struggle. It's just like, I, I know too many other business models now based on, I, I started joining older demographic masterminds. I started getting older business coaches and the older the business coach I got, like, I was like, okay, sweet. So what is the difference between this and SaaS? Awesome. Okay. Why do I see all these Amazon sellers going to SaaS? Okay, great. What is the difference between this and an info product? 
okay, why is everybody going to Infoproduct? Why is every established Amazon seller going to launching their Discord group? Or yeah, yeah, why are they launching their own group or launching their own Infoproduct? And it's like, okay, now this is making sense. Okay, mm-hmm. now that understanding that you're that everyone's working in these vertical integrations, well, that's, that's all it is. It's I learned this. I like sweet. I have an Amazon store. Okay, it's going to be cheaper if I build my own prep center, and then charge everyone else. All right, so sweet. I'm I'm establishing, I'm establishing that in. Okay, sweet. Uh, now it's going to be cheaper if I get everyone else in to be my prep center. Okay, now it's actually going to be cheaper if I create a community, and as my team is finding leads, I pay for that team by sending those leads to other people where the B level leads or the C level leads or whatever. So like they're realizing like, okay, there's all these different like ways to sell this stuff and some are higher margin. And I just don't see many people like still doing Amazon in 10 years. I think if you're smart, the skill sets you've learned here, establish yourself so that you can probably do a private label product and you're going to be able to sell that private label product much better. You're learning the back end stuff when you do Amazon. You're learning, you're learning distribution channels. You're learning cash flow. You're learning all this other stuff. You're not learning marketing or anything like that, mm-hmm. but you're learning all this other stuff. And then once you add that front end marketing wave and you're like, oh, if I just use the same supplier, I create my own product, I establish my own branding and I do my, like, oh, sweet. Oh, now I no longer have to play with arbitrage. I'm now playing like where I own a product and I, I'm able to establish a brand unable to work on like work with customers and products. Oh, okay. I can actually sell this. Oh, I built this to be seven figures. I can actually sell this for a five X multiple of, right. Because I've established it as, whereas like, it's just gonna be harder for you to sell your, your arbitrage business. It's yeah. great. If you scale it to, it's AK, like impossible to sell an arbitrage business, like even a wholesale business, very, very, very hard. You to might, have you, that you're sold. effectively selling the team and the inventory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I just, I think, uh, I was naive. I don't have any regrets. Like I, again, like we've done 325, I probably had a 15% profit margin, which is fine. That paid for my team. I've been able to establish jobs for people and that paid for a really expensive masterminds and really expensive info products that have uh, equipped me to do the things I want to do. Yeah. Right. And I've gotten a lot of like relationships that have really benefited my life. <laughs> a lot of friendships yeah. that's spread from it. So like, there's no regrets on that front. I just think, if I were to continue to do it, it'd probably be because I have a nine to five and because I want extra side hustle cash. And it's because, because it's something that's me and my wife can do with the team and we can outsource a lot of it. And it's an extra way to pay for, to get 3K a month. That would be why I do it. Do I want to build a seven figure business? Yes. And I don't think Amazon's a good seven figure business to have. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think you that's know the pains. Point. Yeah, no, you know definitely. the pains, right? And- so it's So it's like, some people can do that. Mm-hmm. But like most people, you're going to see a lot of people transition to real estate pretty soon. I see myself gonna... doing that in the next five, six years or so, even probably yeah. sooner than that. And same with private label as well. Like if you're looking to do Amazon for five, 10 years, you need to be looking at private label. And when you're doing private label, you don't want to only do Amazon. You want to have your products on every platform, Shopify, TikTok shop, wherever it is, you want to be diversified yep. as much as possible. And that'll yep. protect you against that platform risk that arbitrage brings, wholesale brings. It's a much safer approach, but at the same time, there are risks with that as well. I mean, putting 100%. up the money, building your product, all of that. It's actually, if anything, it's actually more risk more, because, that, yeah, because yeah, it's a it's a different level of risk and it's more risk, and you're like maybe a Chinese competitor can come in and undercut you, right? So like, there's all yeah. those other things that are like really negative, but um, there, every business has risks. I'm just realizing to scale an eight, like if the goal. It really depends on what the goal is. If your goal is to make an eight-figure business, if you want to sell a business, don't do Amazon. If you want to definitely agree with that, yeah. If you want to sell, if like if you want to scale to twenty-five million dollars a year, I would argue don't do Amazon. I think there's other vehicles, other opportunity vehicles that can get you there much better. In fact, I could say the same thing about content creation, man. Like. If I wanted to, if I want to build a business that's going to be worth $25 million, I should not be doing what I'm currently doing because I I probably should be in paid ads. I probably should be in SEO in the agency space, at least like in the digital marketing agency space. That's where people make money. 
Yeah. Facebook ads, like all, like others, like work with B2B businesses. Don't work with individual people. Like these are all these different things where it's like, if I wanted to actually grow that, I'm in the wrong opportunity vehicle. So it's just like have a healthy assessment of like what your goals are, what you're looking to grow and um, make sure those align with what you're currently building. Um, and if you're doing Amazon, consider vertical integrations. I'm not saying everybody should be launching an info product, but maybe you should partner with somebody. Yeah. Maybe you should be a referral partner for somebody, right? If you can build an audience, maybe instead of you managing and running it, maybe you should get a referral relationship where everybody you do, you get 20, 30% of that reoccurring monthly revenue, right? And maybe consider being a referral partner for a SaaS. There's a ton of SaaSes that are popping up. that's a really, really good opportunity there. I mean, yeah, there's so much to... opportunity for software on Amazon. Yeah, dude, like, uh, like, let me shout out like Chris Grant. Like Chris Grant, he's not a software developer, but he's partnered with a bunch of softwares. It's awesome, yeah. right? Like Warner, Warner Miles. Warner's mm-hmm. not a software developer, right? Like no. he's not, but he's a really great business person. He's really good at building an audience and he's really good at, at generating people like users, right? Yep. And that's what he's leveraging. And he's got a really great relationship with the companies he's working with. So I, I, in my mind, like, I think that's a better opportunity for people. So start thinking that way, because that's where, that's where Dylan's thinking. That's where, you know, that's where all the people that you respect and people you're following. Yeah. That's what they think. So get yourself in the community, start building an audience and then figure out that you can actually leverage that to, to a bunch of different purposes. For sure. So this is a new segment. I don't know if you watched the the last podcast, but now I'm ending on six questions that are going to be the same on each one. So okay. first one is, what is your favorite movie? Favorite movie? Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. Interesting. Okay. Have you ever seen that? I haven't. I now it's have a, to. <laughs> it's a banger. The cast is crazy, and they're putting out – Netflix is doing like a cartoon version of it now. What's it called? Let me let me look it up. Scott quick. Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Chris Evans before he was Captain America. Michael Sarah's in Michael it. Sarah. Aubrey Plaza's in it. Oh, okay. I I don't think I've seen this, but I've it's I've a banger. Seen it before, like it's I'm a banger. For okay, yeah, I'll have to watch it. Uh, next one is: Did you play sports as a kid, and do you play any now? Uh, yeah, I played soccer basketball and baseball my parents wouldn't we couldn't afford football uh i wanted to play football we couldn't afford it and then um i play like i i up until last year uh, before i started the business i was active so i was like i got my investment banking job because i played pickup soccer really and uh yeah and then i played <laughs> church church league softball which is the best <laughs> softball is softball is the best for older people i love golf golf is mm-hmm. golf is the tish man golf is like play golf Golf is really cool. <laughs> I've never played golf real, real golf before, but I've been wanting Dude, to you got, for a while. You got golf and pickleball, man. You'll yeah. you'll you'll crush all the old people doing it. It's awesome. Yeah. Do it. Uh, one thing I've noticed with a lot of entrepreneurs, especially ones I've had on recently, is pretty much everyone played sports and played it for a long time. It really builds mm. that discipline and work ethic that transfers into running your own business. Definitely did for me too when I was playing basketball very, very seriously. I was playing every day, two, three hours a day. And then <laughs> it, it was like eighth grade, ninth grade. Once once freshman year hit and the business was doing well, I was doing sneakers at a pretty high scale. I was like, I don't think I could commit to varsity basketball because it was practice every day. I was going to the mall and buying shoes every day. But mm. it built me that discipline and work ethic that translated into that. Do you think it did for you as well? Yeah. Yeah. And I think similarly, it's like, uh, I mean, like, I've always been competitive, but I was never like, I don't want to say I was like really ever good at sports. I wasn't really good no, at them. Same, same really good here. At, but... <laughs> but, but working out is similar. I see most, yeah. most entrepreneurs, they work out. Most, most entrepreneurs, female, male, doesn't matter. Most of them care about fitness. So they're just like, it's this, it's the same equation where it's like, if you go to the gym, you know, it's compounding stuff. It's like caring about long-term health, long-term things. Like that's just, that's just where business owners kind of think. I, yep. It's very rare where you see a fat business owner. That's true. Yeah. Like very, very big one. But next question, we might've already covered this. What was your first entrepreneurial endeavor? Uh, I, I made, I, I wrote, uh, I, when I was like six years old, five years old, I would draw, uh, flags of different countries and I made a booklet of them and I sold them for 25 cents each. Really? That's a cool yeah. one. <laughs> Did not scale. Did yeah. not scale. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, and I wasn't a very good drawer, so maybe that's why you know, I wasn't. I wasn't like a good artist. 
<laughs> so it didn't work out. But crayon books. I, I also who hasn't done like the I did the uh, you know cutting grass for neighbors. That's a you good can, one. You can you can scale the crap out of that bad boy. Yeah, that that's a business. I if you're in high school, pressure washing, window cleaning, couple oh, dude. Of them, crush it, dude. Just get everybody in your neighborhood. Yeah. You're gonna roll. You're gonna roll it. I think it was Corey who was talking about that. He was doing that up until like a few years ago, pretty recently. He's doing like <laughs> he's still doing it. Yeah, <laughs> he's like on the on the down low. He's like, yeah, he's he's still he's still pressure washing. That's how he <laughs> That's makes his awesome. cash. That's how he pays my contract. <laughs> Next one is if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Hmm. Oh, we're exploring that now. Like we, I moved from, uh, I moved from PA to Florida. Mm-hmm. I like Florida. Florida's cool. Live outside of Tampa. Um, I think we're we're considering like Nashville. We're gonna try out Nashville. Uh, Heard good things I, about Nashville. I think yeah. I think we. Are, I want to. I want to check out a few places before we really commit. I like yeah. PA. PA is dope. Shout out to to Miles and. Nick, Nick Spizak and yeah, the whole PA the homies, squad, <laughs> the whole PA squad. I left them. Um, but, uh, but yes, I think, uh, I, I, I like Florida. Florida's like beach is cool. Yeah. I North Carolina's cool too. I just went to, I just went to Colorado and Colorado is nice. It is really? like the Rocky mountains. Oh, I bet. They, it is nice. So I think I have more of a list of where I'm never going to live before I haven't quite, <laughs> landed on like where i want to live what are a couple from the never want to live i never want to live in vegas yeah no, i never I want to live in vegas i went to vegas either. twice this summer oh my goodness <laughs> i hated it it was so awful yeah it's, it's just hot sad it's just like really it's just like it's deplorable it's like it's just the worst and then i probably like i, I could live in california but there's probably sections of california i would never want to live yeah i agree with that and texas would be hard texas texas would be tough really yeah, I think Texas would be tough. I feel like Texas is kind of similar to Florida, but it is hotter, dry. It's hotter, no, no, no ocean, right? It's yeah. like that's that's tough. I like Austin, maybe, but like Dallas, like I'm a Eagles fan, man. So like, you're not going <laughs> to see me in Dallas. No. You're not going to see me there. <laughs> Next one is what is one thing on your bucket list? On my bucket list. That's a good question. I uh, I think there's like experiences that I want to have with my kids, mm-hmm. um, that I'm really excited about, and so it's not necessarily like it's not going to happen. Um, like I think of bucket list is like the thing that's like kind of ridiculous. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Like I would love to go on tour. I would love to be a touring musician. I never got to go on tour. I made music for a long time, but I never got to go on tour. So like that would be cool. Just like a three month tour. That'd be pretty fun. Um, but like with my kids, like, I don't know, man, I think, uh, like watching my, my son, like play sports would be really fun playing sports with him and playing sports with my daughter that like, I'm looking forward to that. Like that'll be coming very uh, soon too. It comes. Yeah. Like the, one of my favorite memories growing up was like, I, I would, uh, every week, every month, my dad would take one of me and my siblings. I have three older sisters and he would take one of us to breakfast and it'd just be like our one-on-one time. We get like ask questions and stuff. Um, so my daughter's right around that age where I can, I can take her and I, dude, I'm, I've been looking forward to it for like a long time Man, and I, I only awesome. got two. So it's like, yeah, I can like, I'm gonna, but like being able to rotate and be like, I want to take you to breakfast once a week. <laughs> and I'm just, she's not down for it. She's too young. So she's like, I like, say, so you want, do you want to go to breakfast? She's like, no, I don't really want to go to breakfast. <laughs> get breakfast. But like there, I'm excited for when that can happen and, and making memories like that. That's probably a bucket list item for me. That's awesome. That's a great answer. Uh, next one. This is a good one for you. What's your favorite song or album? Hmm. Or artist, either one. Goodness, you're hit, you're at yeah. You can't ask a musician that. That's tough. Yeah. <laughs> I have different contexts. Like, uh, like I listen to I li- I listen to Drake in the gym, Drake and J Cole in the gym. That's yeah. my gym stuff. I listen to Lo-Fi for deep work. Um, so like instead, of, like, some people listen to cla- like classical, some people listen to jazz, some people listen to uh, like what uh, like metal, right or dubstep. Mm-hmm. I like to listen to Lo-Fi, and then for like life, um. I can't. I can't say like I don't really have a favorite. I'm going to say. Let me look at who I've been spending. I'm just going to give you that answer. 
I've been spinning a lot of, uh, you know what? Maverick City. Maverick City is a worship group, and they put out an album recently, uh, and I liked it a lot. And so whenever I need some spiritual uplift, that's where I'm going. Magic, nice. Maverick City. Good one. Well, it's Grant, like gospel. Gospel music. This was a great pod, man. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, dude. I'm excited. We're like you anyone that's listening to this, you're getting in on the ground floor. Yo, right? yeah. <laughs> I think like Dylan's a penny stock, he's a pink slip. And we're about to we're 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 gonna oh, get yeah. like just yeah, just wait. Like this is like this is like Bitcoin when it was like three hundred bucks. It's like you gotta you gotta stock up, get it before it's too late, and then the prices are gonna go way up. So just get in and 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 stay along for the ride because it's gonna be really cool to see what you do. Thank you so much for the kind words, bro. It was great having you, man. Cool. See you later. Peace. Peace.